Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection for December 21st, 2022. Now let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Dear God and most gracious Heavenly Father, you gave us the most precious gift, your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you would open our hearts this Advent and Christmas season to be givers of our time, our talents, as well as our treasures. We thank you for the hope we have in and through Jesus Christ, and it is in his name we lift up this prayer to you. Amen. All right, so last year, just before Christmas about this time, I shared a story with you and thought it would be a one and done. The title of the story is The Christmas Rifle. You might remember it. I'm really not sure why I thought it might be a one and done story, but in the recent past, out of nowhere, when I was driving in my car, it started playing on my phone that was connected to my car speaker. As I was driving, I listened and once again was touched by the meaningful story. So far as I can tell, the story's author is unknown. I would encourage you to share this story, The Christmas Rifle. Now, while the story may be fiction, the story is true in this sense. The message teaches correct and important principles in an uplifting and memorable way. I would like to read one verse of scripture prior to starting the Christmas rifle story with you. And what better way to start than a quote regarding giving shared by Paul in the book of Acts that he attributes to Jesus. In the book of Acts, Paul quotes Jesus as he bids farewell to the elders in the church at Ephesus. This short reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I'm going to share this story with you, and I'm going to try and make it through. If I don't make it all the way through, give me a little grace and a moment to gather myself, but we will get through it, and I'm sure this will touch you again as it has me. And I begin. Paul never had much compassion for the lazy or for those who squandered their means, and then never had enough for the necessities. But for those who were genuinely in need, his heart was as big as all outdoors. It was from him that I learned the greatest joy in life comes from giving, not from receiving. It was Christmas Eve, 1881. I was 15 years old and feeling like the world had caved in on me because there just hadn't been enough money for me to buy the rifle that I'd wanted so badly that year for Christmas. We did the chores early that night for some reason. I just figured Paul wanted a little extra time so we could read the Bible. After supper was over, I took my boots off and stretched out in front of the fireplace, waiting for Paul to get down the old Bible. I was still feeling sorry for myself, and to be honest, I wasn't in much of a mood to read the scriptures. But Paul didn't get the Bible. Instead, he bundled up again and went outside. I couldn't figure it out, 
because we'd already done all the chores. I didn't worry about it long, though. I was too busy wallowing in self-pity. Soon, Pa came back in. It was a clear, cold night out, and there was ice in his beard. Come on, Matt, he said. Bundle up good. It's cold out tonight. I was really upset then. Not only was I not getting the Christmas, the rifle for Christmas, but now Paul was dragging me outside in the cold and for no earthly reason that I could see. We'd already done all the chores and I couldn't think of anything else that needed doing, especially not on a night like this. But I knew Paul was not a very patient man and dragging one's feet when he told them to do something. So I got up, put my boots back on, and got my cap, coat, and mittens. Ma gave me a mysterious smile as I opened the door to leave the house. Something was up, but I didn't know what. Outside, I became even more dismayed. There in front of the house was the work team, already hitched to the big sled. Whatever it was we were going to do wasn't going to be short or quick. I could tell we never hitched up the sled unless we were going to haul a big load. Pa was up on his seat, reins in his hand. I reluctantly climbed up beside him. The cold was already biting at me, and I wasn't happy. When I was on, Paul pulled the sled around the house and stopped in front of the woodshed. He got off, and I followed. I think we'll put on the high sideboards, he said. Here, help me. The high sideboards? It had to be a bigger job than I wanted to do with just the low sideboards on. But whatever it was we were going to do, it would be a lot bigger with the high sideboards on. After we had exchanged the sideboards, Pa went into the woodshed and came out with an armload of wood. The wood I'd spent all summer hauling down from the mountain and all fall sawing into blocks and then splitting. What was he doing? Finally, I said something. Pa, I asked, what are you doing? He said, you been by the widow Jensen's lately, he asked. The widow Jensen lived about two miles down the road. Her husband had died a year or so before and left her with three children, the oldest being eight. Sure, I'd been by, but so what? Yeah, I said, why? Well, I just rode by today, Pa said. Little Jakey was out digging around in the woodpile, trying to find a few chips. They're out of wood, Matt. That was all he said. He then turned and went back into the shed for another armload of wood. I followed him. We loaded the sled so high that I began to wonder if the horses would be able to pull it. Finally, Pa called a halt to our loading and went into the smokehouse where he took down a big ham and a side of bacon. He handed them to me and told me to put them in the sled and wait. When he returned, he was carrying a sack of flour over his right shoulder and a smaller sack of something in his left hand. What's in the little sack, I asked. Shoes. They're out of shoes. Little Jakey had gunny sacks wrapped around his feet when he was out in the woodpile this morning. I got the children a little candy, too. It just wouldn't be Christmas without a little candy. We rode the two miles to Widow Jensen's pretty much in silence. I tried to think through what Pa was doing. 
We didn't have much by worldly standards. Of course, we did have a big woodpile, though most of that was left now was still in the form of logs that I would have to saw and then split before we could use. We also had meat and flour, so we could spare that, but I knew we didn't have any money. So why was Pa buying them shoes and candy? Really? Why was he doing any of this? Widow Jensen had closer neighbors than us. It shouldn't have been our concern. We came in from the blind side of the Jensen house, unloaded the wood as quietly as possible, and took the meat and flour and shoes around to the front door. The door opened a crack, and a timid voice said, Who is it? Lucas Miles, ma'am, and my son, Matt. Could we come in for a bit? Widow Jensen opened the door and let us in. She had a blanket wrapped around her shoulders. The children were wrapped in another and were sitting in front of the fireplace by a very small fire that hardly gave off any heat at all. Widow Jensen fumbled with a match and finally lit the lamp. We brought you a few things, ma'am, Paul said, and set down the sack of flour. I put the meat on the table. Then Paul handed her the sack that had the shoes in it. She opened it hesitantly and took the shoes out one pair at a time. There was a pair for her and one for each of the children. Sturdy shoes, the best, shoes that would last. I watched her carefully. She bit her lower lip to keep it from trembling, and then tears filled her eyes and started running down her cheeks. She looked up at Paul like she wanted to say something, but it wouldn't come out. We brought a load of wood too, ma'am, Paul said. He turned to me and said, Matt, go bring in enough to last a while. Let's get that fire up to size and heat this place up. I wasn't the same person when I went back out to bring the wood in. I had a big lump in my throat. And as much as I hate to admit it, there were tears in my eyes too. In my mind, I kept seeing those three kids huddled around the fireplace and their mother standing there with tears running down her cheeks with so much gratitude in her heart that she couldn't speak. My heart swelled within me, and a joy that I'd never known before filled my soul. I had given it Christmas many times before, but never when it had made so much difference. I could see we were literally saving the lives of these people. I soon had the fire blazing and everyone's spirit soared. The kids started giggling when Pa handed them each a piece of candy, and Widow Jensen looked on with a smile that probably hadn't crossed her face in a long time. She finally turned to us. God bless you, she said. I know the Lord has sent you. The children and I have been praying that he would send one of his angels to spare us. In spite of myself, the lump returned to my throat and the tears welled up in my eyes again. I'd never thought of Pa in those exact terms before, but after Widow Jensen mentioned it, I could see that it was probably true. I was sure that a better man than Pa had never walked the earth. I started remembering all the times he had gone out of his way for Ma and me, and many others. The list seemed endless as I thought on. Pa insisted that everyone try on the shoes before we left. 
I was amazed when they all fit, and I wondered how he had known what sizes to get. Then I guessed that if he was on an errand for the Lord, the Lord would make sure he got the right sizes. Tears were running down Woody Jensen's face again when we stood up to leave. Pa took each one of the kids in his big arms and gave them a hug. They clung to him, and I didn't want us to go. I could see that they missed their Pa, and I was glad that I still had mine. At the door, Pa turned to Woody Jensen and said, The missus wanted me to invite you and the children over for Christmas dinner tomorrow. The turkey will be more than the three of us can eat, and a man can get cantankerous if he has too much turkey to eat for too many meals. We'll be by to get you about 11. It'll be nice to have some little ones around again. Matt here hasn't been little for quite a spell. Widow Jensen nodded and said, Thank you, Brother Miles. May the Lord bless you. I know for certain that he will. On the sled, I felt a warmth that came from deep within, and I didn't even notice the cold. When we had gone away, his pa turned to me and said, Matt, I want you to know something. Your mind may have been tucking away a little money here and there all year so we could buy that rifle for you, but we didn't have quite enough. Then yesterday, a man who owed me a little money from years back came by to make things square. Your ma and me were real excited, thinking that we could now get that rifle for you. And I started into town this morning to do just that. But on the way, I saw little Jakey out scratching in the woodpile, with his feet wrapped in those gunny sacks, and I knew what I had to do. Son, I spent the money for shoes and a little candy for those children. I hope you understand. I understand, and my eyes became wet with tears again. I understand very well, and I was so glad Pa had done it. Now the rifle seemed very low on my list of priorities. Pa had given me a lot more. He had given me the look on Widow Jensen's face and the radiant smiles of her three children. For the rest of my life, whenever I saw any of the Jensen's or split a block of wood, I remembered, and remembering brought back the same joy I felt riding home with Pa that night. Pa had given me much more than a rifle that night. He had given me the best Christmas of my life. Whew, made it through. Well, I'm reminded in the book of John what God gave us, and it is in and through the life, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we have redemption and will one day enjoy eternal life. A gift that we cannot fully fathom or understand now, but one that we look forward to. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now I'd like to wish everyone a wonderful and Merry Christmas. Hopefully you will be able to Spend time with family and friends. I want you to know that I cherish your friendship and try my best to never take it for granted. Your friendship is truly a gift that I try to celebrate every day of the year. Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious God, please forgive us for not remembering your gifts every day. With the help of your Holy Spirit, 
we ask that our hearts be lifted in praise this Christmas for the wonderful gift of Jesus and the joy he brings to our lives. We ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our many blessings all come from God, and I want to close with these beautiful words from the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Go in peace, serve the Lord.